to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's got a lot going on. I'm Alex. When you are birthed in the darkness like some of us, and you are faced with the question, yeah, it's fine, we'll dismiss a little bit of his childhood. You're like, totally cool, let's time bubble that baby, yeah! I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about the penultimate episode of Riverdale Season 6, Episode 21, Chapter 116, The Stand. Now, brief, as brief as I can make a bit of recap. No, not possible. Not possible. Brief? You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. There is a magic man named Percival Pickens who has come from an alternate reality known as Rivervale over to the town of Riverdale and wants to take the whole thing over by harnessing the energy of both Bailey's Comet and a ghost train. And in order to stop him, the other members of the town of Riverdale have all gotten superpowers themselves and are banding together to try to take him down in a last-ditch effort. Knowing that the final battleground is going to be a Pop's Diner, which is built over the Hellmouth that Percival Pickens back in the day made a deal with the devil at for his own immortality. And beyond that, you probably need to know about everybody's powers. We got Jughead Jones, who can both read minds and also create portals. Tabitha Tate can create time bubbles and travel like, through time. Don't get cocky. You can take your time. You're, I feel like you've proven you can do uh, it briefly. I, I don't know. I yeah. feel like if I slow down, it's just going to be like... Blah, 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 blah. That's well, we'll true. Hey, don't get caught on explaining the multiple jugheads that we're definitely going not to important. encounter not next important. episode. Yeah, next, next episode. episode. Next episode. But Cheryl has the powers of resurrection, which is pretty important because last episode, Alice, Frank, and Mr. Keller were all beheaded by Percival Pickens. Everybody's pretty bummed about that at the beginning of this episode. We've also found out that baby Anthony, who is the baby of Tony Topaz and Fangs Fogarty, has uh, immortality powers. Hours as well, or is invulnerable? I'm honestly forgetting at this point, but oh, it, he's immortal. He is, I, I think he's both, and it became very important, and then absolutely not important over the course <laughs> of this episode. But also important is that all of the characters died in a previous episode and were resurrected thanks to the help of Sabrina Spellman, and while they were in heaven, we got to see a grown-up version of Baby Anthony. Surprise, he comes back again this episode. Veronica has poison powers. Betty can see evil auras. Not really important this episode surprise everyone knows who's evil at this point she's like (laughs) betty we get it we get it you're you're clear you're clear uh and cheryl also has fire powers that's another thing to mention kevin uh is has been on the side of percival pickens reggie was also on the side of percival pickens but reggie mr mantle and kevin all escaped after being imprisoned and betraying him so they are back now on the side of good a couple of other things you probably want to know back in the day betty had 
a little bit of a thing with a guy named Glenn, who was her supervisor in the FBI. He was pretty gross, and then he was cut into tidy little pieces by TBK, the trash bag killer. Also, Jason Blossom and Polly Cooper are back alive thanks to Cheryl's resurrection powers and living in Blossom Matter. I honestly always get it wrong, whether it's Thistle House or Thornhill. Uh, somebody uh, really get annoyed at me for not remembering what it is on Twitter. It's I would Thornhill, it. isn't it's, it? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I have to check it every time. Every time I'm writing about the show, I'm like, Thistle House? Thornhill? I don't remember. Thistle check House the wiki. Check the wiki. Yeah. Cool. In any case, they keep moving back and forth and then burning down the other place, so it's a little bit confusing. In any case, they yeah. are alive. Polly is good now. She has been saved by going to heaven. At some point previous, somebody washed her feet and cleaned her of sin, but we don't know who yet. That's the big mystery that's going on in Riverdale right now. Who's the foot washer? Hashtag foot washer. <laughs> Season 7, baby. We're going to find out. And what else should we know? Uh, the Veronica is a grandmother. There you go. That's yeah. probably and Abuelita, as we can both comfortably say. Absolutely. I also think we should point out that Kevin does have a superpower. It's being um, sidelined uh, <laughs> by the end of every story. Yeah, it's it running in first, again. getting shot, and falling down. That's a superpower. I was like, yo, Kev, lead with the immortal invulnerable man <laughs> rather than Kevin rolls up Stand and just gets blazed. large baby Anthony, please. Absolutely. So there you go. Lots of stuff going into this episode. Oh, what were you going to say, Justin? I was going to say the casting on large baby Anthony, big baby Anthony is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know where – it's like they bred, they grew this person to be the perfect amalgam of Tony and Fanks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's very impressive. Like we've been hinting at, a ludicrous amount of stuff goes on this episode as everybody mounts multiple final assaults on Percival Pickens. So, man, I don't even know where exactly to start. I guess we could kind of walk through it plot-wise, but the... Yeah, so we get a couple of different strategies that everybody works around here. At one point, everyone's like, all right, we have a plan. And I was like, you can't keep taking turns. You should have one plan that everyone agrees on. Instead, it's like, all right, it's time for Tabitha and Jughead with their plan. I also, just to overall talk about what's been going on this season, pretty much since day one, Cheryl's been like, what if we shot him with a gun? What do you guys think? And they're like, no, 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 we can't. No, no, absolutely not. To the point that like repeatedly in the episode, she's like, guys, just kill him. I will burn him. It's fine. They're like, no, that wouldn't wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Instead, let's try multiple plans. We keep losing with, we keep getting knocked down with, multiple people keep dying, and he keeps getting more powerful. But if they just listened to Cheryl on day one, they would be absolutely fine. And ultimately, the large part of their plan to beat Percival is beat the shit out of him with a bunch of baseball bats. So, well, and I will say, to to hear you trying to push the case, why don't we just listen to Cheryl? That's a crazy statement. So for you to say that is like, you're clearly off. No, no, no. This season is 100% in Cheryl land, whether it's in Thistle House or Thornhill. I'm not 100% sure as we've already established, but like we talked about with the Rivervale event, that was like, that's her comfort zone is this Gothic area of Riverdale. She's always been off on the side since not since season one, but like pretty much since season one, where eventually it led to maybe evil dolls and living with the coarser brother and all the stuff that felt 
totally at odds with, I hesitate to say this, but like the relatively more grounded things happening in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Archie was turned into a pewter statue at one point in this episode and very hastily unturned into that (laughs) without much fanfare, may I say, in the normal part of Riverdale. But the thing is that I'm getting at here is that everything that's happened this season, this is Cheryl's wheelhouse. She knows what's going on here. They should be listening to Cheryl at every single point, and they're not. Um, I guess that's true. I can, it's hard for me to argue with that because this show has absorbed every wild occurrence and the things that you were so nervous about going in and made them normal. Did it? I mean, I, I'd argue about it necessarily making it normal, but just to kind of talk through things, there are a lot of meetings of the group, which is always nice to see in this episode as everybody kind of works through everything and figures out their problems. We also get the first plan. If I remember correctly, the first plan is they're going to shoot him with a gun, right? Is that the first thing? Well, they the, try? F- the first plan is whatever Archie had his army man laid out. And I was like, we never got out any justification about who those army men were, what they were doing, and what Archie was doing staring at them. Right. They also did a lockdown of Rivervale, uh, Rivervale, of Riverdale, which was kind of reminiscent. That brought me back to the Hiram days when he was like, we've locked down the entire town because of this contagion. And by the end of the episode, they're like, no, he didn't. It's fine. And everybody yeah, no, got of course it. not. Everyone's everybody doing whatever they want. It. Yeah. But, but there are also no other citizens in Riverdale, I hope, because if not, they're wiped off the map. Well, but they all got, by the end of the episode, we found out that Percival had mind-wiped them and made them join the ghoulies. I saw there was Mr. Weatherby was there, Dr. Yeah. Curdle was there, uh, there probably were a couple of other random town members we've seen a couple of times. Maybe was uh, was the social worker there? I feel like there was one other character that walked by that I recognized, but I don't know. Who yeah, was there. it was hard. I was I was hard pressed to be identify all the be like, look at all the townspeople. I was like, I see Weatherby and Colonel. I don't know. And a couple <laughs> other folks. But everyone else is in the game. Do you think they got into some light cannibalism? While they were there? Because they're ghoulies? Absolutely. Because they're ghoulies. When you're a ghoulie, do as ghoulies do. Yeah. And say, you know, Curdle's got that straight supply to some the flesh meat. I did love Dr. Curdle still wearing the jacket later on in the scene when he's sewing everybody's heads back on. That was very funny. Wearing the jacket over the doctor uniform. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's a ghoulie for life. I also loved that scene very pointedly said, Betty supervise Dr. Curdle like as if he's going to fuck around with these uh the corpse realignment. I mean he might, he might, he did like you're saying, he spent all that time with ghoulies, maybe he's uh going to take a little nibble here or there, you know? Like those those fingies aren't just lying around for anybody. It's a one he's a one finger price for any sort of um undecapitation work that he's doing. Absolutely. But we do get this plan where they eventually come around to Tabitha And we should probably talk about Tabitha's powers and how much sense or not they make, because frankly, this episode confused things a lot. Just we know. uh, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, she seems to be basically all powerful. She can create time bubbles, pocket the time, move time faster and slower. She seems to have the full Doctor Strange powers of having the time stone. um, Really? Yeah, I mean, she definitely has that. There's that going on. But I think my bigger confusion point, and maybe we'll get some uh, something established next episode, though I sort of doubt it, is she keeps talking about how she visited all of these possible futures and saw all the different possibilities. 
how how did that work? Like, I don't want to get too deep in the time travel because, frankly, I don't think it necessarily matters because it's Rivervale and uh, Riverdale, and it doesn't necessarily matter. But did she live through those futures? Is she then a commensurate amount of age, or did she just see the things? How did she see the things? It, there's a point when she's having a conversation with Jughead, and she's like, oh, "I knew you were going to say that because you said that previously." So did she, in some of the possibilities, say, I knew you were going to say that because you said that previously, because she lived through the time loops? And then by the end of the episode, to jump all the way to the end, Percival casts this spell where he diverts Bailey's Comet so it's going to hit Riverdale. And she's like, oh, that apocalyptic future I saw wasn't Percival winning. It was the Comet hitting Riverdale, which, how did she not know that? Like, did she... Did she get yeah. go ahead? I was gonna say I agree with you. Like it definitely like she had a lot more power than we had previously seen, and then seemingly a lot less by the end of it. And I think that's uh, helpful from um like a story perspective and a writing perspective to be to give us that last twist at the end. Um I think you could explain it away by saying she had never gotten to that reality where they mm-hmm. won without Jughead dying. And then seeing that future. So she had only seen bads and never the one where they, you know, threaded the needle and actually won. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I I could certainly roll with that. I think there's a million different excuses you could potentially make. Um, I also, despite everything that I just said, really did like the twist that they figure out the way to beat him, the way to open up more possibilities is take the fight over to River Vale where he comes from originally. I thought that was a nice way of threading things back to the beginning of the season. I There's still a lot we need to wrap up here with Bailey's Comet, with the superpowers, with everything, where it comes from, how they're going to shut it down. That are big question marks going into the final episode that I'm sure we could talk here at the end of the episode about this. Uh, but just in terms of that, even if I have logical problems because I get too deep into the nitty-gritty of time travel, I do think they're there were some nice moments that came out of it anyway. Um, while we're talking about Tabitha's powers and just kind of jumping all over the place, why don't we talk about big baby Anthony and this move where Tony basically is like, yeah, it's cool. I want to lose all my time with my son. Just crazy <laughs> move across the board and to, well, because also like it's didn't work. And then they right. re- totally abandoned that plan. Yeah. I mean, basically you get big baby Anthony he runs in, says, ha-ha, you can't kill me. And then Percival's like, now I'm nude <laughs> and teleported somewhere else. The end. Which maybe that was the plan all along, to get him right. naked. Vulnerable. The, again, like, I feel like I'm going to probably be harping on a bunch of the same stuff over the course of this. I feel like there were a bunch of nice moves in this episode, but ultimately... Both our heroes and Percival felt like they were swinging wildly at a million different things. And this might have been, without slamming anybody, I think the crew on Riverdale does an amazing job of what they've got. But I wonder if there wasn't like bigger plans. Like we never saw a ghost train or anything like that. We The ghosts were just kind of sitting the there. The ghosts were there and they didn't do anything. Right. They just sort of s- sat and watched. We didn't really get, like, his forces being marshaled so much as a ghoulies serpents fight, which we've seen a bunch of different times before. So there wasn't necessarily something new there. And also, like, what was Percival doing 
if it was the night before Bailey's comment. Like, it was never 100% clear how he was going to take over Riverdale, what would happen if he takes over Riverdale. And mind you, we speculated a crazy amount about this, so I do think at least part of this is none of that speculation (laughs) coming true at all, which is not their fault, but... Well, and I think at the end of the day, he wanted to to destroy Riverdale. Why would he ever want to rule it? He hates it. So, like, I think that it feels like... In this show, neither option that didn't happen was ever viable. You right. know, like h- him winning and just ruling that would never happen because he doesn't want that, and uh, our side losing would never happen because it's our side. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think just in terms of the execution, like I'm saying, it seemed like a little swinging wildly, and maybe the point was exactly those army men on Archie's table where they were doing war like Jughead introduces at the beginning of the episode where there's battles. They push forward a little bit. They get knocked back a little bit. They push forward a little bit. They get knocked back a little bit. So maybe that's the structure they were going with with the episode. But ultimately, I think like in terms of final villain showdowns, I think some of the other ones in previous seasons have been a little more satisfying. Um, You know, we've certainly had some things that went off the rails in a different way. Edgar Everdever is, I think, a good example of that, where you get the organ uh, organ stealing reveal, and there's that big fight there and that epic scene with Cheryl and Tony and saying goodbye, and ultimately he flees from the farm, and then we didn't get the wrap-up with the rocket until the next season. So there's something like that. But, like, the Percival stuff here seems more final, mainly because he's taken to hell. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty final. And he gets his last curse. In. Even better than Edgar Everett ever. I think I'd call out like the Gargoyle King mystery um, from the end of season three in particular, where I remember us talking about it and being like, even it doesn't 100 percent work, but they did a fantastic job of like actually bringing these threads together at the end of the season and making it feel satisfying, even if you went back through the previous 16, 17, 18 episodes, whatever it is, and broke it all down, maybe it wouldn't necessarily make sense, you know, on an episode by episode, scene by scene basis. But for the episode, it did feel very satisfying and it did feel like it brought things together and came to a, a epic head there in terms of this final battle. And here... I don't know. I I think maybe expectations are too high when you're setting up a superhero final battle in your here going on that you've been teasing for multiple episodes. When we live in a society where you have superhero movies coming out every week that do have these $200 million budget battles, it's not going to be the same thing on a weekly budget. So there are things that are impressive and fun that they did here. Um, But there was a level of disappointment that I felt. Am I being too harsh? See, that's it. Well, that that part didn't bother me at all. Like, I I actually liked the the very end, the Jughead um, PP fight. Uh, I thought it was oh, great. Oh, that was great. That I love really... that part. Like, I love the yeah. – <clears throat> that was, I think, my favorite part of the episode, that twist that went on there with Jughead using yeah. his portal powers, having the mind fight, the way they did that. I certainly have some questions we can get to in a second. But it was mostly everything else. And again, it might have been expectations of, like – we're going to get the Riverdale folks and the Rivervale folks in the same scene. And Sabrina's going to be there. And it's going to be the cast of Chilling Adventures. Yeah. And they're going to come in. And it's going to be this epic battle. And Percival's going to use all his magic powers. And again, instead, they beat the shit out of him with a baseball bat. Well, so. and that's that's why, because to me, the the any issue I had was there was just too much going on um, for them to bring to land that truly a 
a wild series of airplanes that they uh, welded together to make this season. And it was just a lot to bring to heal at the same time. And PP is such a great villain. And I thought I, I liked the, the beginning of the episode. I thought it was awesome. The narration from Jughead setting it up a uh, full action movie, Archie with the army men. We seeing the, the hell mouth and the white worm, uh, the Holy grails there. I was like, this is huge. This is epic. And I, even the set piece where all everyone was attacked by someone that um, they cared for at some point, I thought was great. Love all that. It just felt like uh, by the end of it, it was like, okay, we just have to have Tabitha come in and say this stuff. And then everyone react and then they move on and move on and move on. And then it felt a little bit like I'm, I'm optimistic for next episode because they have a whole other problem to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I wish they could have given PP a little bit of flow to set up the Bailey's comment as the next problem and not have it be such a last minute. Oh, that's what he meant by that <laughs> moment. It, the thing that threw me off a little bit, which I agree with you, I'm excited for the next episode because that does feel epic and insane in a very different way. But shifting Bailey's comment by a day takes a lot away from what's going on with Percival because we've been told that's what he's waiting for. We were even shown earlier in the season the power that Bailey's Comet has uh, that it could it infuses people with. The fact that he's like, yeah, it's fine that it's a day before I'm still pretty powerful is like, it takes too much away there, you know? Yeah, and I would have – just a quick justification, like, well, you wait till you see what I'm going to do when the comet comes. Or just something where he – it was part of his plan and it wasn't like a weird, like, calendar mistake. Right. <laughs> because that's what the way it sort of played. He was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm good enough. Yeah, I've been uh, waiting 400 years. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. That's like when you have a doctor's appointment and you just totally miss it um, because you had it slightly wrong in your calendar. Hmm. I feel like you're talking about a very specific experience there is what I'm getting. No, I'm supposed to be at the doctor's right now, but instead of uh, recording nice. this podcast, which in, in a way is my medicine. Yeah, Dr. Kirtle, right? He's sewing your head back on. Yeah, uh, well, as long as Betty's there to supervise, because you can't trust that dude to do anything. <laughs> well, wait, let's uh, talk about that sequence with everybody reanimated, because I agree. I thought that was great and tense, and I had no idea how it was going to go for any of these characters, particularly because we have Cheryl's resurrection powers. The only one that can't go is Cheryl, but everybody else was like fair game for dying. And all of those fights, Reggie versus Archie, you got Frank and Glenn versus Betty with uh, the, say, come get some, the evil deadline. Come get some. Great. A lot of great lines in this episode. Uh, Shotgun Abuelita. I got closer. Abuelita, good. Getting yeah. closer, yep. Getting closer. Where Veronica totally slimers the door to, <laughs> to give her a neurotoxin, which I was like, is that how her powers work? Because there was goo. She left behind some goo. Yeah. She goos stuff. There you go. She goes. She goos. She uh, the, the Reggie versus Archie fight was horrifying. Oh I was my like, God. He oh just kept God. stabbing him over and over and over again. And also, I didn't pick up on this, though this made sense in retrospect. I did like them bringing back Bingo's healing powers. That was a nice... I was like, back. when Bingo was just licking the wound, I was like, get him out of there. Get Ew, him out of there. Gross. And I was like, yes. oh, right, he's healing him. But I was like, why are we showing this? This is a mistake. That dog shouldn't be in there. So yeah, you don't my, see dogs in the doctor's office. My first reaction was, oh, Bingo has a taste for blood now. That's that's good news. All right. Uh, maybe that's setting up um, Afterlife with Archie next season. Yeah. Or uh, Vamp Bingo. That doesn't really work as well as Vampironica, but there you go. Could happen. 
Maybe, um, but I also thought that maybe his powers, Bingo's powers, he licks abs onto people. <laughs> like he could oh, lick, okay. like if he licked, he could lick some sick abs on each of us if possible. Man, I, yeah, I'd love, I'd love a dog to lick me. Should yeah. I not have uh, said that out loud? I would cut that out, I guess, in uh, post. <laughs> Heavy post. Uh, but yeah, all of those fights were great. I was super bummed by the move to have Cheryl burn Jason alive and then not bring him back. Yeah, later, dude. Especially when we get such a sweet Cooper family reunion. It's like, Polly's back. Polly's not going anywhere. And it's just like, don't you think Polly's like, my husband, um, I liked him. Also, when Cheryl found out that Jason had been possessed by Percival, there was no mention of that the rest of the episode. She was like, I'm sorry. I know I should have never brought you back. You're evil. And then later on, she found out that he was not evil and was like, well, whatever other stuff to do, I guess. Yeah. Very strange. Um, I mean, all that and working backwards from there, the gun that shot flowers in the moment there. <laughs> so, sort of weird. No justification there. Just like that to me felt happened. like a prop they had on set. And again, there's nothing against it because their schedule is so insane. I think uh, Ted, who wrote the previous episode, mentioned on Instagram that they were shooting like four episodes at the same time with four different crews and yes. different stages, yep. which is bananas. So the fact Crazy. that they got anything out of any of this is very impressive. Yeah. And that's a lot to juggle. And this show is great at juggling. Like this show is can juggle. This is like well, the best, uh, but clown. I guess my point is like, I don't know what the gag was necessarily with the gun that Archie and Veronica were shooting, but I do wonder if they were like, what, what kind of prop guns do they have on set? And one was like, well, I got this one for a magic act one time. Let's use that. And they're like, great. Yeah. Flower gun. Let's roll. Jug, Jughead's um, mentalist act. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, you were asking what else he did in the act beyond guessing people's numbers. Maybe he also shot a flower gun. A fun flower gun. Uh, edible arrangement. Um, the a couple other things from that scene that I thought was was just wild was, was PP being like, and this mace was formed in the fires of Asgard, and just everyone's like, okay, cool. I'm like, what? We believe in <laughs> Asgard here? What, we've gone through. The Everybody's looking rolling glass. with so many stuff at this point. There's no turning back. Everybody believes like, everything. It, any character could say anything in the show, and they're like, oh, shit, he's got an Asgardian mace. Watch <laughs> out. But Archie's got, like, I got a uh, Louisville slugger metal bat, and I think I'm fine against this mace from a dwarven Asgardian was making it. Um, uh, also, right, be- right before that, yeah. PB's like, my body is coated in a special sealant. I was like, okay, cool. What's, <laughs> what's that like? <laughs> Explain that. Is it Saran Wrap? What's happening? Yeah, exactly. Did you get a little goo? You get gooed up? You got your own goo? Yeah, there was this was by nature a very explanation heavy episode, like constantly everybody was plot, plot, plot. There was barely any time for couples. We did get a Jabatha. I love you, which I thought was very sweet. Like of all the couples, this is probably the best episode for Jabatha, I'd say. Well, and let me to rank them. uh, Jabatha. Yeah. um, uh, probably uh, Cheryl Heather's right up there. They feel like ironclad, ex- despite Heather's misgivings and uh, arrow wound. But then right below that, and this hurts me to stay, the Archie Veronica scene had the most heat of anything in this episode. The Are you talking about them with Percival or the scene before that? Scene before uh, that? Before that. When they're I like, they're, they're Veronica, like she's making, she's making big eyes at him. He's like, I want you to come with me. She's like, yeah, anything. They, it felt like old Varchi. 
Well, so it like, felt like not- old Vine. Here, well, so here, I'm going to throw it out to you because uh, I'll give you a little Barchy credit here. I think Archie Betty is still strong. Like, there's nothing wrong 100%. with Archie and Betty. Kiss at and the I don't end, think, 100% strong. Great. And I don't think Archie is going for Veronica. I also think Veronica is, as we talked about in previous episodes, being respectful of Betty and Archie's relationship. But absolutely, yes. 100% the way Camilla Mendes was playing that was just like you're saying, that she's like, there, there was a moment when she opens her mouth to almost say something and doesn't say it. And it's like the littlest indication that she knows there is a 50% chance that what a, they're going to be yeah. endgame, uh, which I love. Like, I love that acting choice, throwing that in there, regardless of what happens with the couples. A hundred percent. So I do think that's an open door going forward. And we've talked about this the last couple episodes that it feels like going into the final season, they're going to put all the ships back on the table a little bit. And I actually think we get a little bit of this as strong as I thought the jab at the scene and the, the this episode was for them. PP rips up a couple of comic book memories mm-hmm. in Jughead's head. And I think that stands. That was real. Um, and I think where we're going next episode, we can say later, we still haven't dealt with the multiple Jugheads, and I think River Vale is going to be how they beat Bailey's Comet. I think mm. Tabitha's prediction will come true for either Riverdale or River Vale, but our, all of our heroes, all of our characters will be hiding in one dimension or the other, mm, and they will emerge from that and bring River, Riverdale well, back Well, let life. me just ask you a question, because I was honestly very confused uh, by the whole Jughead thing. So was he ripping up our Jughead's memories or another Jughead's memories? I think it was, uh, well, he stepped into River Vale when he walked into the diner to meet Jughead. Right. But I think the implication was it was our Jughead was in the diner. Okay. Uh, is the way I took it. And so it's actual Jughead's actual memories. Um, but we, what we don't know is what the other Jughead's or Jughead were, were doing at this time, um, because I think that will become important. I think they were probably part of the plan in some capacity here. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'll throw out there that we should just jump ahead to the next episode just while we're talking about couple stuff. I don't know if you watched the promo for the next episode. Did you uh, check that out? I Justin? know for a fact you did because I saw your Twitter for one second um, Ooh, going off. There we go. Uh, so even though we're talking about the Varchi stuff, it looks like Archie is going to propose to Betty next episode. What do you think is going to happen there? What's your speculation? I think that will happen. I think she'll say yes. And I think that's going to be where we leave it going forward into next season. Mm. Because I think that will prompt the, um, the split, the life with Archie that we've talked about from the comics. Just to recap, if you don't know, there was a comic book series where we got to see uh, three issues, right? Where Betty, uh, where Archie married Betty and how their life turned out. And then three issues at the sort of simultaneously where he went with Veronica and how their life turned out. And I believe it was prompted by the thought of getting married. Yeah. I, the I agree. Finality. I think she'll either pull a, ask me if we survive this, ask me again, if we survive this thing, but then I think she will either say yes or about to be a, say yes, clearly. And then I think there's going to be some sort of wild swerve at the end there. Like, I think they are actually going to have Barchi engagement. They're going to be together. And then something, whether it's life with Archie, whether it's afterlife with Archie, whether it's, I don't know, Bailey's Comet destroys them and knocks them back to the Stone Age. And then they're doing Flintstone style next season or something like that. Whatever it is, I think we're going to yeah. have something that like gets in the Flintstone way. style. Hashtag footstone style. (laughs) Gets in the way. That's how I order my ribs when I go to a barbecue spot. Flintstone style. Yeah. Big enough to knock my car over. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, your car that you power yourself with your feet, right? 100%. Hey, I'm, I'm a eco. Every, mm-hmm. Everyone's like, electric cars? No, foot power. That's yeah. the original. Yabba-dabba-do-it. That's what I always say. So right. we, we talked about a little bit with next episode. What other moments from this episode do you want to call out in particular? Because we've been skipping all over the place. We've been jumping around, but it's okay because that's what this episode is all about. Um, I just want to shout out uh, the um, Serpent's Ghoulies battle when they go in and Tony's like, don't even try it, bitch. And shurikens her face. <laughs> that was, I was like, yo, that was unbelievable. Insane. I 100% think we're going to see Twilight Twist again, but with like massive scars on her face because that's yes. how Riverdale rolls. Uh, yeah. The wildest thing about that is, like, Tony's never used those before. Where did she get to do stars? A hundred percent. There's been no shurikens. That was very, like, I was like, where did these come from? And, like, props to save them because they were done, used to great effect in that moment. I loved it. We already um, mentioned the, fat- the moment. Uh, I just wanted to mention two more things there. Uh, the We already mentioned this, but, like, Kevin running in and immediately getting shot was such a bummer. Like, That's, I know we talk I'm about it every in. week, but... Yeah. yeah. And, but it felt like he was on the come up for a while. Mm-hmm. It felt like he, he was getting up to a point of power. He was moving away from PB to come back and be a hero. And then his hero move was running at first, getting shot. And later they're like, yeah, Kevin lost a lot of blood, but I think it's under control. I was like, that's, <laughs> the, that's the good news. <laughs> that's the big win for our guy, Kev, that he, he Archie thinks his blood loss is under control. And at the end, he's sitting with Sheriff Keller and they're like, this is weird. You're bad. <laughs> Uh, and then we talked about big baby Anthony a bit. So there's this whole thing where Tabitha puts baby Anthony in a time bubble, grows him to a large size, which everybody seems pretty happy about. Uh, what do you think? Is big baby Anthony here to stay? Is that how they get past Tony and Fang's being parents? I do think so. And honestly, I like it. Big baby mm-hmm. Anthony is great. Truly, like I said, perfect casting. I like the character. I don't know if we're going to be able to deal with immortality going forward in general. Yeah. But to bring him, to age him up and only use him for that moment feels strange. It feels like they're going to keep that going. I do hope, like, legitimately they can get rid of absolutely everything else, all the other superpowers, all the other stuff. I think if they keep one thing, keep Big Baby Anthony. I agree with you because it's like – it's a classic comic book move. They bring in a baby and it becomes all about the baby and it's frustrating and exhausting after a while. So they always age up the character and then they're on the super team and they're training and whatever else. And also given what we saw in heaven, if he's the same character, we also get another uh, LGBTQ plus character on the show, yep. which is always nice to see. So good, good stuff. And I liked with the very little bit that we saw of that romance was like super sweet. And like <laughs> yeah. the, the chemi- it was like one moment and the chemistry was there and bringing the serpents and ghoulies together. Let's do it. That'll yeah, bring Twyla despite her gaping shuriken wounds. Maybe she'll come to the wedding. <laughs> maybe. Then we should probably also mention the whole getting the bodies back, but without their heads thing. What was your reaction to that? The, uh, in an episode and a season where everything moves so fast, the fact that we sat with them each opening the casket and being like, oh, God. Oh, dear God. I was like, tell us what's happening in that <laughs> casket. We already saw Glenn stitched Glenn Stein, Glenn and Stein running around. You're telling me there's something even more horrifying there. Um, so I thought that was a funny moment to sort of sit in. 
uh, yeah. in a show where we don't ever get to do that. Uh, um, but I'm glad they got their heads back and are back alive. That's nice because that led yeah. to, like you mentioned before, that really sweet, very short shot of Alice and Betty and Polly all hugging on the couch. It was just so nice to see them together again. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole run, um, Betty out the Jughead and Tabitha, like, why am I still alive? I was like, that's fun, funny. Deal with that next episode. The Coopers all together, uh, awkward Keller hang. I was like, (laughs) okay, no nice moment for them, sadly. Veronica and Abuelita just cleaning up randomly. I was like, give them a moment or something. Give Veronica (laughs) a win here. It's unbelievable. Um, Archie and Frank, Cheryl and Heather, and then, of course, the Riverdalians are informed, as Cheryl says, of um, the Deep Impact slash Armageddon situation. I hope they have to get on a rocket to space and drill with uh, some sort of roughneck. Uh, well, how do you think? Men. I mean, there's a lot of speculation online. There's a lot of theories and stuff. But what's your big theory? How are they going to get out of this one? I think they're going to the comet will hit. Oh, right. Yeah. In Riverdale, and they will all hide in Rivervale, mm. and they will bring, they will unite the dimensions, closing the loop on the Rivervale saga. And just like, uh, and not everyone may know this term, Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, it's just a DC Comics event where they erase the continuity essentially and then shows the pieces they liked from each of them. I think that's where we'll end next episode. And that gives them the opportunity to reset the ships in a way. Mm-hmm. There will be um, conflict for going forward. Yeah, I I like slash obviously hate that idea in a certain way, just because it's mm-hmm. going to be so perfectly infuriating if any variation on that happens. But I do think that essentially rebooting the show, maybe having one character who vaguely remembers what happened before or something like that, like they have usually in Crisis on Infinite Earths or Zero Hour or any of these DC events, that sort of thing of like trying to work their way back uh, while maybe, like we talked about before, going back to high school, but Jughead remembers everything or just washing everything clean and it's a brand new Riverdale. Um, I think that would be make everybody scream in the right way going into the new season. And the final season, really more than anything in my mind, has to be about reminding us about the things that we liked about Riverdale. And that has to be like revisiting, like you're saying, those classic ships, those classic mysteries. Even if it's reliving everything for the previous six seasons, all happening at the same time of this patchwork reality or something like that, I think that would be a fun way to play it. But we'll certainly see. I agree. Um, going back in time and having them back in high school, I wonder if that would feel a little bit of a betrayal. It would erase yeah. a lot of stuff that I think we like. So I'm curious if they would do that or have them remember it or have it be a story, the story that Jughead finally publishes. Mm. Oh, and then he becomes a comic book writer like he's been dreaming of. I mean, I think you could say this for any of the couples, but just to continue on the speculation – If, like we're speculating, Betty and Archie are going to get engaged in the next episode and then the comet hits, I think you could have a situation where the comet hits, it explodes, it reboots the reality, and then you get into a reality where Betty and Archie are not together, maybe even back in Virtue and Bughead or something like that. And so the plot is about them figuring out and working their way back to each other by the end of the season. Well, and not to be the Barchi stand that I am, but I do think that they are endgame and putting the Varchi back on the board and a potential bughead back on the board 
is meant to get in the way of that a little bit. So we get some dramatic tension to come back together for them. Yeah. I think it'll be very interesting. Like we always talk about 22 episodes is forever in Riverdale time. So literally anything can happen, but I do think, and I do hope a little bit that wherever we end season seven is going to be wherever we end season six, is it going to be a clear indication of where we're headed in season seven um, mm. in a similar way to like the bonfire at the end of season three right. that kicked us into season four, yeah. where it was this mystery that overarched the entire thing. It really kicked us into there. Um, yeah. However, the ships end up, however, all the chips fall at the end of the day, it could be in any direction, but I do think we're at least going to get a little tip of the hat here in this last episode to something. I agree. And for me, it's going to be something that is going to be like, oh, my God, Veronica and Archie kissed or like some version of that where it's like, oh, because I think there it's going in the last season. They need a big moment there. Just that little cherry at the end of however they deal with the, the comment, I think, is where we'll end up. Yeah. Uh, two other things I want to say. I can't believe they had to move that diner back. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> the fact that the, moving the diner was such a big deal and they had to move it back. Uh, that was wild. And the fact that they were like, even Reggie was like, I can't believe we had to do that. And I was like, yeah. like what was his line? Like, Ooh, that's exhausting in hyperspeed or something like that. Very yeah. funny. Fun stuff. Very funny. And then shout out to PP and a Peacoat in his final battle versus Archie. I was like, like very on brand. I also, even though I think he kind of went up like a punk a little bit, I did love the fact that he was so increasingly beaten up over the course of the episode. That was very fun. I also think Lou Cipher being like a friendly devil who will just do, you know, whatever and take you back to hell if you ask. Very fun as well. And it like pissed. He's like, you motherfucker. I can't believe you got away this far. Gotcha. These teens helped me. And now you're done. I'm the devil. <laughs> uh, so that was good stuff. A lot of good stuff in a very wild episode. Before we wrap up here, who was the MVP this episode, Justin? Who was MVP? I mean, I think I gave uh, I gave the MVP last episode, but since it's probably the last we're going to see of him, um, I had to give it like what a great villain. I enjoyed him all season long. He was great here. He was great at being very confident and beating everyone. And then he looked like shit when he got beaten. And that's what you want in a villain top to bottom. Shout out to PP. Second. I mean, I don't want to take yours, but I'm going to give it up to the Veronica Archie scene for throwing some mm. salt in the Barchi situation, which oh. Barchi stand for life. But I was like, that's good work. Right Here's there, the thing. Acting this, is, this is very much a side thing, but drama is fun. Like I, I agree. I, agree. I, I want Shoni to come back, like desperately want Shoni to come back. And I believe Shoni is going to come back in the final season. But at the same time, we got this tease in the promo of Cheryl kissing Veronica that drives me a little nuts. Like, why is that happening instead of Cheryl and Tony? What's going to happen? How's it going to fit together? It's fun to see all this stuff. And I know it's, it's anguishing for some people, and I don't want to diminish that. But as a viewer, this is the stuff that I really enjoy. But uh, oh, the, you got to love Riverdale when it's doing what you want, and you got to love Riverdale when it's doing what you don't want, because it's going to come together in a great way, I think. We've been riding it this long. Let's keep going. Yeah, almost there. I, I'm going to give it up to Jughead this episode just because I love that move at the end of the diner. That whole scene with the dominoes and everything going into the mines, ripping up the comic books. Great stuff. Real fun. 
very excited slash nervous about what's going to happen in this final episode and whether they're going to pull it off. Should be fun to see. Should be fun to see how it all wraps up. And for all of you out there, if you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, at Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Lick me up some abs, bingo. Let's go. (laughs) 